uh, you know, right. they're being yeah. they're adults, really. And I came to Canada I'm wearing a school uniform. And, you know, my, my dad eventually got me some fake ID, <laughs> <laughs> that's which, which allowed me to get into the pubs and bars, which oh, changed amazing. everything. <laughs> Where, so you come from, uh, according to what I could see here, Seven Oaks, England? Is, is that where you was born? Yeah, I was born there. Where did you live? I lived uh, around Kent. Uh, Kent's yeah. the county in the yeah. southeast, about half an hour outside London. Yeah. Um, Tunbridge Wells, Tunbridge, a few different places. So did you, And you came right to Toronto. So, I mean, that's a big city versus, you know. You know yeah, well, town. it was actually Mississauga uh, okay. originally. So, and, and, I, okay. and I soon learned that, you know, how do you get out of Mississauga? You know, <laughs> where, where's the nearest train station? And that's when I kind of uh, found Toronto when I was probably 18 with yeah. a fake ID. My friends are a couple of years older than me okay. for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, that's when I kind of began to embrace what Canada has to offer. Your friends were probably, you know, a little bit older because, as you said, you come from a place where you're being treated like an adult. So you probably were, you know, a little more attracted to hanging out with older people. Yeah, well, I think what it was also at school, uh, the curriculum I was kind of a year ahead. Yeah. At least on paper, when it came to the actual, uh, you know, my my old <laughs> my brain, I wasn't, you know, that's for sure. But um, so the classes I was in was with a, with a year or two older, and that's how you know how I met these these friends of mine, and uh, yeah, discovered discovered Toronto. Now you you, you mentioned sports being different, so. We, I, I, you know, I grew up here in Toronto. I'm Canadian. My parents are Canadian. My grandparents are Canadian. Like I'm like, like t 12th generation Canadian. We go way, way back. And, um, uh, as a, as a Canadian soccer really wasn't part of my life. Um, 86, I was 10 years old, you know, with a one time we made the world cup and scored exactly zero goals, you know, <laughs> and I can, and I went to school with a bunch of Italian and Portuguese kids. So I just got, you know, rocked every day because of how bad <laughs> Canada was. Where did uh, sports come into your, your life? When you came here, did you try to adapt? Did you learn? Did you learn about hockey? Did where did that? Go? Yeah, you know, I, so I was a sports head, you know, yeah, all my life, you know, in England, football, um, rugby, cricket, you name it. I, I loved it. Came to Canada, and straight away I, I got into the Blue Jays and baseball because the timing was perfect, it's right? Good time, yeah. Ending, so I really got into them, and then I met this group of friends who were really into hockey, yeah. and it was during the uh, just after the Gilmore trade in in ninety. 1993 yep. was it 92 93 yep. and i remember being dragged out to don cherry's grapevine in mississauga oh wow or, or the sports cafe and, and that playoff run yeah. really was my um entry into hockey and and i've loved hockey ever since yeah that team still holds such a great memory to me and it really made me feel canadian like okay now i get it i love my soccer and i love my rugby still yeah. but i get hockey that's my kind of sport if i was born you know if i, if I moved here a few years earlier i would have got skates on I would have played hockey for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of how I really learned, you know, the Canadian way, so to speak. And, you know, just drinking beer and watching sports each night. It was fantastic. It is a uniting thing, isn't it? Drinking it beer is, and watching yeah. sports. What's, uh, who, like, who's your home team? Who's your, who's your, who's your footy team, Adam? Uh, so footy team, I'm actually um, a fan of Liverpool. Okay. Even though I'm from the other end of the country, you know, okay. you, you're a kid. My, my family wasn't really into sports so much, soccer in particular. So as a kid in the 80s, you support the best team, right? Right. And they were the best team. Yeah. And then obviously they went through some, some tougher times, yeah, but sure. that must be my team That's for me team. from a young age. Yeah. I always, I always ask that because I'm, you know, I am, uh, I'm taking a break from the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, actually. I got to, after last. How's that going? How's that going? Because I, well, I thought about it as well. And I can't, I can't pull myself away. You know, I got to say, um, so I'll tell you that, like my grandfather was literally buried in a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. We all wow. wore hockey, jer like leaf jerseys to his funeral. All his, uh, uh, you know, what do you call the uh, Paul Bearers? We all wore hockey jerseys. He went out literally to the, to the hockey song. Like, I'm not kidding. That's how big of a <laughs> hockey fan, hockey fan family I come from. And after last year,
year. Um, I don't want to put my family through what I went through with that th- down three, one to Montreal and losing. It was unfair yeah. to them, the emotional reaction I had. And <laughs> I, 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 I'm embarrassed by how angry and upset I was. And I said, you know what? At first I was like, I'm done. I'm never watching them again. I'm not, I'm not that, you know, let's be honest, but I'm taking a break. I haven't watched a minute of, of hockey this year yet. Right. Good for you. Good for you. So I, I, I really thought about it and I, I tried, but they, they pulled me back because I've still got a little bit of hope still for this team. Yeah. But I understand the anger. I mean, of all the teams to, oh. to blow it to last week, you know, well, when, when exactly. I, yeah, I mean, when, when I, like I said, when I first got into hockey, I remember the, you know, the Detroit game, you know, in game seven and, and St. Louis and these great moments. I of never course. really understood the Canadians rivalry. They were never just got a better team. Play. Yeah, yeah never, exactly. Right. Never in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. And so, when we were in the West and they were in the East, you know, yeah, like right. maybe not twice a year, right? That yeah. We played Montreal twice a year. So there was too bad. There was no heat to the rivalry, right? There wasn't, right? And rivalries are so important to sport. You have to have yeah. rivalries. Whoever decided to split those teams up was just didn't understand. No, exactly. You know, the culture of sport. Because I really missed that, you know. But going to the sports cafe or, or Don Cherry's when they did play the Habs oh. and understanding, okay, there's something to this. I it's get it. Now. You know, that yeah. was that was fantastic. Um, so you adapt that way. Now, are you one of these guys? Did you go to Humber College for like? like were you, are you a? a I went to Ryerson. Went I went to Ryerson. Ryerson. Yeah. Well, for media arts, the media arts at the time, it wasn't yep. too much TV per se. You know. Yeah. I went. I, I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <Socially>. <laughs> had a lot of fun. Did you? <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. I, I can't say that I. The Imperial too much Pub. Out of the program. Few visits to the Imperial. <laughs> The library above it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. God, what a dive, but I loved it. Perfect, right? <laughs> great, great time. Mickey Finn's there on Gerard Street. Gerard oh, I remember Young Mickey and... Finn's like right across. Oh, yeah. Right across. Fantastic. The park. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, Mickey Finn's, they were originally at Gerard and, um, yes. and Young, and then they moved, moved over to where old Gardoonies Gar- Gar- was. Yep. That's Dougie's, that's Doug Gilmore's bar, wasn't it? I think. I think so. It was called O'Toole's before that. Even before, like was when it? I was a kid, it was O'Toole's. So I think Bob McCowan may have been a part owner in that as well. I think you might be right. Yeah. 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 Wow, takes me back a few years now yeah, yeah no kidding <laughs> so you go to Ryerson yeah. and uh, you said you're a sport head did that fit into kind of the broadcasting how'd that all come about Where's that? yeah you know it's, it's all about timing because I you know my last year I had no idea what I wanted to do you know no clue I know I liked I found communications media interesting yeah. okay um I love sport and then at exactly that time was when headline sports was launching so are you a day um, water there I am. I was there before launch I was wow. interning there I, wow. I interned there and I shot list baseball and shot list hockey and then uh they had this little segment on headline sports called sports world which is a two or three minute segment a day which is international sports and they thought well this guy's got an accent he must know those sports (laughs) sure sure so i began producing that and then that kind of grew into a 15 minute show and then they said let's get your voice on tv and it all kind of you know snowballed from there it's amazing how timing really does make uh, you know but there's also the there's the timing, but there's the hard work that you would have put in to be there and doing that and interning and doing all that for free and getting it recognized. For free. I've yeah, been exactly. for free. Exactly. I mean, I, I mentioned to you before we started, I was a humble and Fred intern and that's how I ended up in radio. You know, I was getting up at four in the morning for free every day and getting them coffee and cutting tape and doing all that stuff, you know, living that dream, right? It was exciting. I remember those days. I was so excited. I remember walking back from, uh, from, from headline sports to my, my apartment thinking, man, I love this industry. I really hope one day they'll pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, they, I got part-time and then it went from there, but it really were fun, fun days, great days. And I, you know, I, I know internships aren't really as commonplace nowadays, not unpaid internships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably right. But I tell you what, I learned the industry from doing that. Exactly. So much more doing that than from four years at school, to be honest with you. Do you remember, I didn't even go to school. That's all. Yeah. I like I, I walked in off the street. Um, do you remember the first time you talked about that, that little two minute feature 
Uh, do you remember the first time, like, that you did you edit it yourself and voice it? Like, how did, how did the process work? So originally, I just produced it. So what I do, I work with an editor, and whoever was around to voice it, it could be Elliot Friedman. I was going to say one of you. Steve Coolius, Greg yeah. Sansoni, you know, some of these guys who are quite familiar, obviously, yeah. Freegers, um, they would voice it. And I remember thinking, I mean, they're such pros, but thinking, man, they're, they're good, but they're not quite voiced in the way I would voice it. Right. I had no, I had no ambition to be on air. I, I love oh, the yeah. writing part of it. Oh, no ambition. Um, you know, I spoke quickly, had a strong accent. You know, I had a lot of um, self-esteem issues around my, my speech. Sure. Um, and, but, you know, eventually my, my boss said, listen, you have an accent. You should be voicing this segment. Yeah. And at that point, you can't say no, can you? No. But I still didn't think I'd have my face on air at any point. But that right. came a couple of years after that, you know. So it's very much it's a very slow process. Yeah. Well, like, again, we were talking about, the, you know, the idea of change or evolution. But did, like, I remember when I w- was first, I would first be on a, we would do a daily promo of the show. It was a highlight of the show and I got to be on it. Uh, and it would get repeated throughout the day on CFNY on the edge. Um, and I remember just, I remember hearing it for the first time going, oh my God, I'm on the radio. Do you remember seeing, like hearing your, your own voice? Would you go back and list, watch your feature at home? To- oh, I still do. I yeah. still, I, whenever I'm on TV or, or radio, I always re-listen because you yeah. have to, I think, sure. to learn. And I, I would cringe. And I actually found an old tape recently from my first time on TV. Yeah. And Christ, they, they rushed me. I was not ready. <laughs> I was so wooden. And so yeah. nervous, you could tell, right? But yeah, I do remember it. You know, I remember, I think my first time voicing was for the Christmas special. And okay. they allowed me to voice the sports world part of it. And, you know, it was so exciting. It, yeah. it really was. But at the same time, terrifying as well. But I could still get those jitters when I, when I see that from that, that era. Yeah. I really was exciting. You know, I'm so jaded and broken now. Yeah, of course. That, you know, I'm kind we'll of get to over that. it. We'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it, so it, it is amazing the highs and the lows. You can, I, I mean, you get in any industry, but I really do find that broadcast is a special, uh, especially good at bringing people down, uh, you know, at certain times. And uh, I don't want I don't want to fast forward too much, but you know, um, the uh, headline sports becomes the score. Um, uh, did I want to I want I, I to focus in on one air one time, like when Toronto FC it becomes a team when the MLS comes to Toronto. Does that change your career? Yeah, it does. Um, suddenly there's a local team to cover. Yeah. Number one. At the same time, we got the rights to the Premier League around that same time as okay. well. Oh, wow. So at, at the score, it began to snowball soccer, became something very relevant as opposed to something on the back burner. Yeah. Um, and, and that was really exciting for me. So we, we got the rights to the Premier League, but then we sold most of the games back to Sportsnet. So we just did the one game, but that allowed me to, to create this new show called The Footy Show. Yeah. which was uh, replaced Sports World, which is soccer-specific, and we covered a lot of TFC, a lot of TFC, Premier League, and it was just like, it wasn't a daily show. It was like four days a week, including a live game, plus a podcast. We were actually, I think, really ahead of our time. Um, Very much you know, so. What we did, it was... Podcasting, it was way ahead. Yeah, for sure. Way ahead, yeah. We had a blog at the time. Blogs are brand new. Yeah. We were using all, all platforms available to us. And, you know, that's still, you know, to, to this point in my career, my proudest moment when we launched that, um, and just tried new things. The score was great for that. The score would let people try things. It wouldn't always work. It would fail and sometimes, sometimes it would work, but, but they, they really nurtured some great talent there and tried things that no one had tried before. And I think we still miss, miss the score. Yeah, I mean, those places that aren't, you know, don't have the, I mean, you're not paying people a lot. You're not making a lot of money as the score. You know, um, 
I've, I've worked for a small company. I worked for Evanoff Radio Group, who owns Z103 here in Toronto and uh, 103.9 Proud FM, the gay radio station. I ran that station for nine years. And some of the best things I got to do was there because we had to be innovative and creative because we didn't have the budgets and we were able Can't to compete. Yeah. So we, we had to do different things. Tell me about how that, you know, that, that, that time, like who, who put, who turned you on to podcasts, who turned you on to, to blogs? What, what like, where, where did that, that path come from? Because it's so yeah. ahead of its time and that change is obviously we're feeling those changes today still. Yeah. Well, I mean, the owner, John Levy, um, who still owns uh, the score. I mean, he was very, very, he was a visionary in many ways, had yeah. some crazy ideas, right. But yeah. He was a visionary and he saw the future. We, we couldn't compete with TSN and Sportsnet. We just couldn't for rights. So how else do you do it? Well, at the same time, you know, the internet's exploding. It sounds crazy, right? The internet's exploding, I know. but it, it was back then, right? Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. No. Really? Yeah. Um, I, you and I, we're old enough. We're about the same age. We're that generation that remembers the pre-internet world. Yeah. Right? We, we, like, Before remember, email. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. I, when I got into the Humble and Fred show in the late night, in the you know, or mid to late nineties, they were still using a razor blade cutting newspaper articles <laughs> out. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember uh, having the dot matrix printer in yeah. the newsroom. Yeah. And, exactly. and we get the, these scripts printed from SNTV, which is our, our international right uh, uh, newswire essentially. Yeah. Here comes the script and oh crisis is logged. It's blocked. It's jammed. Oh no. So yeah, it's amazing how things have changed, but you know, they were very much pushing the, how do we compete against those big guys without having the same budget? Well, let's try different things and let's hit, let's go digital. Let's go full 360 multi-platform approach and my boss at the time anthony choni who is still you know to me to this day is the best boss I ever had wow. um he he realized that yeah there's more to tv than just tv now it's got to be seen as media and you got to hit the people from all angles and eventually the big boys caught on and they spent more money and you know that's just the way things happen but i'm pretty sure the score was was the first sports wise to do it in this country i think you're right i think there, there's so many i mean so much great talent came out of that pool so, um, much, all those yeah. so many, so many, um, uh, some of the, some of the best on air presenters in Canada are, are started off at the score. That's why I asked if you were a, a day one or not, because there's so many of them. Um, where did, uh, where did uh, like uh, radio uh, Sirius XM did that, that just come uh, that partnership come in with uh, yeah. like along just along the way kind of. Yeah. Again, you know, uh, satellite radio was something that was beginning and the Levy's thought, wow, let's, let's try a hand at that. Let's yeah. have a radio. They got the Blue Jays rights to radio, which was like, you know, wow, unheard, wow. unheard of yeah. satellite radio. And then uh, we pushed a show and we had hardcore, hardcore soccer talk. I think I should know these things. It's been a long time now. On your resume somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, somewhere there. <laughs> exactly. So again, that was my first friend into, into radio plus the podcast. So the audio medium was really big for us. And that allowed us to reach you know, the audience that wouldn't otherwise be seeing us on, on the score. Do I remember correct? Did you do play-by-play as well? A little bit, yeah. I did a couple of TFC games. Um, I did play-by-play for the 2011 Copa America. Um, really enjoyed it. How did that? Yeah. Like that's a big change from being a a pundit or an expert. And, uh, you know, I was always the host though. Right. I mean, I I never, I've never said I'm a pundit per se. I'm I'm a host. I've kind of fallen into that pundit role now a little bit as, as the whole world, the the sports media games, you have to be a kind of jack of all trades. Um, but yeah, I I was never, I never considered myself an expert. I I considered myself, I knew enough to ask the right questions to the experts. Right. I think that's what makes a good broadcaster. Absolutely. But then they threw me into 
play-by-play play for the first time, and that was pretty terrifying. But I actually really enjoyed it. I wish I'd done more of it, to be honest with you. But oh, those opportunities just didn't come up. Yeah, I, I just I wonder what the the preparation for that is. Again, if if you know you're a host, um, you know what you're good at. Like you said, you're good at asking the 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 the, the, the smart people the right questions. Um, how do you like? I mean, do you emulate the people you've heard before? How did how did how did you deal with that that change in your career? I mean, those opportunities. Yeah, I always try to be myself. That's what. Whenever I'm media, I've tried to be myself. It's very easy to copy and duplicate. Sure. You know, the, the great ones out there, people that I respect. But yeah. you gotta be yourself. I think when you when you hear a clone of someone, it's so clear they're yeah. being a clone. Right. I think personality is key. Um, so I, I try to do it my own way. It was definitely more the the British way of commentating right. compared to the North American way. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I found it easier to do it the more paint the picture as opposed to every single second, you know, the, the, the fill every piece of dead air, yeah. which is the North American way, the hockey way, which is incredible. Hockey, I mean, hockey how those guys do, I don't know, yeah. honestly. I, I yeah. think they're the most skilled play-by-play guys. Probably, um, yeah, I'd say but, so. But, yeah. but the British football commentators have a way with words too, which I, which I love as well. You let things sit. Which yeah, is exactly which is uncomfortable for uh, for most broadcasters. You don't want to let things sit, right? And I, even in, I find myself as I'm doing this, and you know, I my my day job is on, I, I program uh, direct two radio stations, and it's it's an interesting um, uh, process realizing that you know it's okay to let things breathe. Yeah, breathe is a word, right? And I think we use the term dead air. It's so negative the connotations. Yeah, and it can be. It can be really awkward. Sure. But, but sometimes with sport, especially when you have the ambience of the crowd, it's okay. Now, obviously doing radio is a bit different. You can't be quiet for too long, but certainly doing it for television, let the pictures dictate, you know, the narrative yeah. and then just, you, you just add to that. And, uh, you know, so TV is very different to, to radio, obviously, but yeah, now and again, a little silence is so powerful. I think. Absolutely. You mentioned Bob McCowan. He was always really good at that. Incredible broadcaster, yeah. really good at letting, especially those hours that he would do by himself. I always, I always found he was just terrific at letting things sit and breathe yeah. and, and, and people being able to, you know, kind of digest them, you know, but digest. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, there's, there's a lot of information there, right? Yeah. A lot of layers and nuances yeah. and you can't, you can be bombarded by it. I mean, you just let it breathe and let it kind of percolate a little bit in the brain It's so much more profound. So uh, I mentioned TFC. I, you know, and I also mentioned that, I, you know, footy soccer was not a part of my life. Cause I'm a Homer. I need a team to cheer for. And there was never a team to cheer for here. And I don't have an old country. Cause again, all my family's from here. Right. So there was never, you know, all my friends that, you know, Benfica and different play. I had nothing. I've had, sure. so TFC comes along and I'm like, I'm all in my brother-in-law gets seasons and uh, the atmosphere down at BMO at the beginning. It was, and it really, and still, still to this day uh, can be quite phenomenal. I, I think mm-hmm. as, as a live sporting experience in Toronto, especially um, how hard was it? to be covering that team when they were so poor for so long. I think sometimes it's easier to cover a bad team than a good team, right? Oh, interesting. In, in some yeah, ways, yeah. just because sure. there's always something, someone's always angry about something, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's more fun to cover a, a good team. You know what? It, it, it was a lot of fun. Even as bad as they were, um, I got to know some of the players quite well. Danny Dickio, for example, on the footy show. I'm still really good friends with each. He's on my, my, my podcast now every week. Um, so we got kind of close to players and I learned about a football club being close up as opposed to having to cover one from overseas right but you're right i mean after a while it, it got it ground you down speaking to craig forrest and jerry dobson who called all the tfc games yeah it took them about four months before they they, they had did a win yeah right, <laughs> right? It, was, it was that long right and the first yeah. goal took four and a half games is that crazy right well more than that that's right so you speak to them and they say man that was tough yeah. sled, sledding right you know having the coolest yeah. team they were so horrible 
Yeah. And then you saw the off the field, uh, it, it, you hear the stories, you know, and how it wasn't run very well off the field. And that was frustrating because the fans supported it from the off. Like you said, oh. it, it was a great, great day out. It was a party for, yeah. for these guys to go out and have a good time. Yeah. Now I think that's evolved. Now they're football fans. They understand the game more than perhaps back then. But um, back in those days, it was a party until the party turned sour. Yeah. And it's like, okay, for Christ's sakes, can we not see a win? Yeah. This is, this is getting ridiculous. Frustrating as a fan, that's for sure. Um, I was, you know, we could, I could get into, you know, like the nuance of all of the, 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 the changes with that team and, and how, how it's gone with the city of Toronto. But I will ask you, cause I kind of reached out to you. Um, this is, we're, we're, we're recording this on uh, October 21st. Um, but last week you were at the Canadian men's national team game against Panama. Um, I wanted to ask you, cause I know you were there live. Let's talk about the change in the stature of Canadian football. Uh, for a second. I know it's mostly about you, but I want to ask your opinion on it. Yeah, of course. Uh, how how was that? How was the feeling there? Just tell me about it. It was incredible. I mean, that's one of those moments you don't ever forget. Yeah. Um, now, whether that's a tipping point or not, I, I'm not sure we're going to find out, but the fact that they they dominated a pretty good team. Yeah. Um, and not just that, we finally had that moment for the fans to say, I was there when yeah. Alfonso Davies scored that goal, that one cool. of the great goals. And, you know, I mean, it was like watching playstation right it was just incredible yeah. the pace and what he did and and then the mainstream media took notice and yes. that to me is why it's so important so, so i was so busy the next day doing all these interviews and wow funny now i'm popular about <laughs> time you know it's yeah. taken me 20 years of my bloody career but uh so thanks fonzie um yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah it, it was that moment that there's something special happening we're seeing a team that they're not qualifying for a world cup just yet i know that long way to go but there's no reason why this team can't qualify for this World Cup coming up because they're good enough. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever said that about a Canadian team before. You know, I, I missed 86. Yeah. I wasn't here for that. They, they came look very close in, in the mid and late 90s, again, just before my time. Really. That Gold Cup win, right? Was that Gold or... Cup was 2000, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Right around there, yeah. yeah. But that didn't get them anything apart no. from some ranking points, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. But that was a great moment as well. But yeah. nothing's quite the same as qualifying for a World Cup. So to see that moment and see this team and the whole stadium, which was a sea of red, yes, you know, 26,000 fans. And, you know, the previous game against El Salvador, it was mainly El Salvador fans, it felt yeah. like. But this was a proper partisan crowd. And there's an energy and there's this shift, it seemed, that maybe now we are becoming a bit of a football nation. We're not there yet. I'm no. well aware of that. But we're a damn sight closer now than we were even six months ago. Well, and Alphonse, I mean, the, the quality of the players, it, it, you, you can, you can, this could be that, you know, they, they could talk about that Vince Carter moment with the Raptors in Canadian basketball, you know, like this could be yeah. Alfonso Davies could be that rap, that, that guy, you know, yeah. who inspires kids. I mean, so many kids play soccer here, but it's not taken seriously. It's just, it's a, it's, it's well, not. And, and they, they worship Leo Messi and, right. and Cristiano Ronaldo and Kylian yeah. Mbappe. Now they can worship a Canadian kid. Yeah. Yeah, playing for one of the biggest clubs in world football, right? And Bayern Munich and won a Champions League. This is a global. This guy, his name is so much bigger than Conor McDavid, globally. Right. And yeah. Austin Matthews, yes. respect hockey, but yes. I'm sorry, it's love true. you, yeah. but you're a spec compared to soccer, yeah, globally. And now we've Absolutely. got a kid that that is not a household name yet, but he's going to be. He should be, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. I'm very excited. I was uh, I was I was glued to my TV along with everybody else that night, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what what that turns out to be. Uh, you know, as you said, you're for yourself, you know, all of a sudden you're an expert, but like, and as I said earlier, our industry does like to chop people down 
and uh, not necessarily as as personal uh, attacks or anything, but you know, there's budget cuts, there's changes, there's what's not. So let's talk about that for, with you. Like, how did you? Uh, what was the first time you found yourself without a job? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been thought I've been ducking and weaving and dodging bullets my whole career. You know, everyone, you know this, this well, you know, if you're in this industry on air, there's a good chance at some point you'll be without a job. 100%. Um, you're kind of in sports. You're if you're involved in live sports, like I was involved in the Premier League, the Champions League, you're a slave to those rights. Yep. And, and the second the, the network that you work for loses those rights to a competitor, you got to look over your shoulder. So when 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 Sportsnet lost the Champions League at first, and then the Premier League, we we knew the writing was on the wall. So we knew ahead of time with the zone coming in, they were so ambitious. With so much money, they were throwing money left, right, and center. And we all kind of sat there a couple of years before thinking, man, it's going to be tough to retain these rights. And when that happens, we'll probably be out of work. So when it happened, um, 2019, 19, I think it was, yeah, 2019, it wasn't a surprise. You know, it's still, you know, upsetting. Uh, I won't, won't kid you. Um, we know we love our jobs. And listen, we're talking about sports for a living and a good living. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty cushy um so it, it was it was yeah it was frustrating as well i thought we could always have done more with, with the rights but it's the reality it's the business i had no regrets working there um my, my boss is very cool about it you know i understand how the business works and this happens they can't keep a soccer department when there's no soccer to show it's sure. common sense right so yeah. the summer of 2019 it actually happened the chop came and we were ready for it you were, you were prepared as a family, like, as a, like, like how, how did you deal with that? Like, um, this is where the turn into, uh, Charmin's proper pie Pies. comes into play. Well, yeah. So about six, well, yeah, sorry. About six months before the actual official chop came, you know, is when we began talking me and my wife about this business and what's the plan B when, when I get canned, cause I'm going to get canned. Wow. What's the plan B. And my wife's the entrepreneur in the family and she yeah. always wanted a product business. We weren't sure what that was. And uh, simple as my, my mother-in-law came to stay with us. She'd always been making pies and selling pies at farmer's markets in, in Western Canada. Um, and she stayed with us and began making pies for our friends. And we thought, man, there, there aren't that many good pie places in Toronto. And why doesn't Canada embrace pies? You go to England or Australia or South Africa, you know, they're, they are the hot dog. Every street corner has got a pie shop. Right. So we thought, well, let, let's, let's try this. Let's give it a whirl. Why not? So, I went to pie school with my, my mother-in-law. She taught me to, I love cooking. It's one of my passions. Right. She taught me how to make great pies. And then we got a farmer's stall for, for a few months. And this was while I was still working at Sportsnet. Wow. To see if it worked. And it had, you know, some success. It was popular. And then honestly, it grew from there. I got let go. I got a decent severance package. It allowed us to, to invest some money into a proper business. Yeah. And it's, it kind of just snowballed from there. So yeah, I, I listen. If you told me four years ago I'd be making most of my money from a pie business, I would have said, "What? Who? Me? <laughs> no, no chance." Now your your so mother-in-law said, "Is she from Western Canada?" Yeah, well, she's she's born in England, but she's she actually grew up in in Ontario. Okay. Um, so yeah, the family's back and forth between Calgary, Red okay. Deer. Toronto. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because I was I thought it was an interesting combo if there was like some sort of Western Canada crust with like the the you know the English uh you know uh, savory pie thing, but uh, right. it's got British British roots, English roots. British roots, yeah, yeah, for sure, British roots. Uh, I will ask. I, I was looking on the on on the on the website there. Where uh, 
Like, where did the I got about butter tarts? This is not a proper pie normally, but you guys no. do butter tarts. So how does oh. that work? That's a little a little uh. Uh, Indiana fusion, in there. fusion there yeah what's going on exactly there? well you know they are I tell you what I'm not a butter tart guy but they're the best I've ever had okay and, and and you know we wouldn't have done them if they weren't popular they are so popular and we realized that at the farmer's market we couldn't keep them in stock long enough wow so you know although we're mainly pies the butter tarts is a nice little side and you know they're yeah. cheap to make, yeah, to exactly. make you know but yeah. is it in that is that's one recipe most recipes have changed somewhat over the last couple of years that's one recipe that has stayed the same it is it is very much a traditional family recipe on my, my wife's side and uh yeah people love them there's a big difference between uh baking at home and then doing industrial like you know size large baking, batch large yeah. batch stuff how, how did you deal with uh, learning that skill oh you know what i mean i we learned from the ground up really yeah. Yeah. you know and made a lot of mistakes along the way and we, we got our my, my wife so my wife used to be a um, massage therapist and osteopath okay and she had a clinic and then the rent uh that her her lease came up and then the rent went through the roof so we thought well what do we do here she's got a move let's we, we actually ended up buying a building which housed her clinic upstairs and the kitchen downstairs so we built this kitchen from scratch not really knowing what we're doing Right. Um, which is a great experience. I would never do it again. Uh, next time, <laughs> next time we'll hire experts. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's evolved and uh, learning to cook from, you know, two or three pies for a family to cooking batches of, you know, 50, 60 pies at a time. It's been an experience. And thankfully, now we've hired a, you know, a fantastic chef who's taught us a lot how, how you do it. And he, he's really helped, of course. But when I look at our, our production facility now compared to before we had this kitchen, when I was cooking one night a week at a local butcher shop. <laughs> oh, wow. You're it's, like it's come borrowing, yeah, renting the space out basically. To yeah. In. Wow. We, uh, mm-hmm. I live within walking distance of your storefront. I'm, okay. uh, I'm an East Ender here in Toronto. I'm on the dance nice. floor. And uh, it, I, I found it interesting because I think you launched with delivery only. You didn't have, were you, were, you were like already selling pies without a storefront, right? Yeah, yeah. So the whole, the main model has always been, um, you know, delivery, frozen yeah. pie delivery, uh, yeah. online, e-commerce, right, that's website. A, yes. And then we opened up the, the kitchen with, with a storefront thinking that'll just be a, a nice little, you know, added revenue stream. But it turned out to be so popular. East York's just embraced it. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So that's really helped finance this expansion elsewhere. Oh, okay. Um, so, Go ahead. No, so, so you know, like I remember the first delivery day we ever did was like four houses. Right. It was great, right? We did it one day a month. And now we just signed up last week, literally with a delivery company, you know, six days a week. Wow. We're going close to being all of Southern Ontario. So Amazing. it's just, uh, yeah, we, we still, it's so important to us to maintain that, that intimacy with our, with our customers being yeah. on the street front and down forth and that connection. So the quality won't ever change, but yeah, we definitely have ambitions to get to go, you know, beyond our borders through the delivery side of it. I um, I, I, I was asking because I found that interesting. Going like you said, e-commerce and then built, going bricks and mortar is the opposite mm-hmm. of what most people do. That's not a change that normally happens. But we have to pivot, right? Because the pandemic hit. Right? Yeah, we, we were we were just finishing the kitchen as a pandemic hit. Yeah, and and uh, you know, at that point, you know, we had the e-commerce thing, sure, but the storefront was about to open as well. But then people just began to thoroughly embrace staying home and ordering your food in, right? And yeah. that really it helped us, quite frankly. You know, I don't yeah. want to say that we enjoyed the pandemic. No one has, but it didn't hurt business. It really opened people's eyes to that that possibility. You're not the first, uh, you know, like I started this podcast, you know, kind of in October of 2020. And uh, I'm coming up on a year here, almost 50 episodes in. And with all respect, people, a lot of people, 
actually are, are there are things that they are thankful for with the pandemic and the closures and the lockdown things that we had time to pause and maybe reassess and do things a little bit different and it sounds like it's the same case with with, with your business and i think that's okay i mean no one's saying that it's been a good thing the pandemic no. of course not it's been tragic for, for numerous reasons but if you, let's, let's try and find the silver lining in everything, as yeah. I've always thought, you know, and sure. you know, it's, it's allowed us to reset and they said, take a breath and realize what doesn't work and what does work. And we you know we need to get back to a lot of stuff. Perhaps we, we did give up on, but when it comes to local, I think local shop local, that's really blossomed. I think during yes. this pandemic, people realize that, you know, we need you and you need us. And yeah. why not? You know, let, let's really embrace that. Well, especially at the beginning when things were really locked down and the only things that were open were grocery stores and, you know, place people selling food. I can remember uh, my wife and I, uh, you know, like we would only go to local. Gro- we, uh, one day, you know, we would use the, there's a the Royal Beef and all the like all yeah. these that, like and, and, the, and those, the great fruit market at Maine and Danforth and, you know, all these all within five, 10 minute walks, you know, uh, I, I think it was uh, I think it was like I said, like you said, it, it was like look for the silver lining because you know if you don't then you'll just you know you might want to off yourself because it's freaking it's freaking <laughs> yeah, exactly. get out hit the, yeah. hit the tarmac you know like experience life a little bit it's all very well ordering everything yeah. in and yeah. it's convenient and all but it is nice to go out and just you know notice what's going on around you I mean, yeah. we think we lost that a lot and i i mean I, I grew up here in the east end of toronto so like i i love i grew up behind gerard square the mall so okay. yeah i'm an east ender so i love supporting the east end and and uh and your your shop included uh whose idea was the jerk chicken pie so that you know that came from uh, our chef we had our staples but people were saying we want a really spicy pie yeah. we have the uh, the chicken bolty which is a curry but it's a mild curry, mild curry yeah. uh, and we so we we, we challenged our, our chef dave we said dave we want something that'll, that'll blow your head off <laughs> he goes well what, what about a what about a jerk chicken and we Let's do that. That's right. And then the, the best part of this whole business, Bob, is tasting days. I bet. <laughs> when, when, when our chef says, okay, I've got a couple of, you know, let's, let's try these, shall we? I love those days. And nice. uh, he gave us a few different varieties. And this was just amazing. It's fantastic. Now, does your chef use your, like, I, I think a big part of the proper pie is the crust. As, yep. Is it your crust still? Oh, like, yeah. 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 We, we make that in-house. We will never change that. That is old school. It's lard. Because yeah. it's the only way, you know, butter sounds nice, butter's tasty, but I'm sorry, lard is more flaky, it's richer, <laughs> there's something about it, you know, Absolutely. the vegans don't like it, but hey, sorry, the vegans, they, uh, sorry, you know, not we, a proper we, pie then, <laughs> we get a few of those, do you have any vegan options, I think, there's nothing against vegans, but if you're really a vegan, you won't buy a pie made in a meat facility, Fair <laughs> <Right>? enough. <laughs> yes, These are meat I always pies. wonder about that, like, you can't be that much of a vegan if you're prepared to buy a pie that was made here, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't want it anyway. Uh, no. look, you mentioned uh, the zone and the, the money that they were throwing around. We'll go back to soccer for a sec before I, we, I know you got to go um, uh, where you're with one soccer now, right? No, um, here and there. I was with one soccer. Uh, oh, you before. work with. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit here and there. Right now I'm not. Uh, we're okay. with the zone. We had uh, my, my podcast footy prime, the podcast with Dickie Owen Forrest and Brendan Dunlop. Uh, we were with the zone for a little bit. We had an eight week contract for okay. a show, which is great to get back on that capacity. Yeah. Um, but right now we're just trying to, you know, find our way through this, this stuff coming up, you know, it's going to be a good year next year, I think, but the industry itself is still, still trying to find its way. I think through right. these times with advertising dollars down. So it's, it's all right. It's just the reality of the situation. So your personal podcast is your main outlet right now uh, I, I, on the sports yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. And we're expanding all the time, doing more shows each week. And uh, like I said, we're, we're in, have a great 
uh, relationship with both one soccer and the zone. So who knows what happens down the road there? But uh, at the moment, like yourself, we just love doing it ourselves. There's no no one to worry about. We say what yeah. we want, do it how you want. we want, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. The it's shackles pretty, are off, so to speak. It's pretty great, isn't it? It's when liberating, you, isn't it? Eh? It really is. You know, I, I'm of a dual mind because I'm also. I'm in charge of some people in my day job. Uh, so I'm the shackles for some people, <laughs> but I get to be unshackled here. It's footy prime, the podcast, right? Is that That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the way we all deal with change and how uh, I'm, I'm so impressed with your, your ability to, to see forward and, and see the writing on the wall. And then to have had a plan with your wife, uh, is just it's a great story to tell and I appreciate you taking the time to tell it today because you know to, all too often you know especially in our industry like you you know we're, we're, all of us as you said at some point are shown the door for one reason or another but the fact that you were prepared for it, uh, it it's a great story to hear well thanks but I really appreciate that yeah I mean listen it's, it's really easy to get jaded and cynical about the business but it's, it's it if you can peel away all the bullshit it's a great industry yeah. Um, and can be a really great industry and it's, it's evolving and changing so much. So I think shows like this are so unique oh. and the long format approach, I think is really a, a great way to, to really, you know, get to the nuts of some, some, you know, situations. So I appreciate asking me on to, I really enjoyed this. Ah, uh, thank you so much. And, you know, you know, traditional, I think, uh, you know, our, our, my day job, we got a lot to learn, man. Like we, we have to, you know, I think you form, I think you're right. Long form is the way to go, especially uh, in traditional broadcast um, venues. And uh, it'll get there eventually because necessity is the is the mother of all invention, right? So eventually, we're going to monetize, it. haven't we? That's the thing. That's the, oh, I know. That's what somebody's <laughs> asking me. Hey, you doing these podcasts? You making any money on it yet? Not yet. But, um, <laughs> give it time. Work, give it time. I'm working on it. James Sharman, uh, Sharmansproper.ca. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Sharmansproper.ca. Uh, maybe I'll run into you on the uh, uh, on the Danforth uh, sometime, and uh, that'd be great. Absolutely, while, I hope yeah, so. While, while I'm passing by. All right, James Sharman. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Bob. We got to start making changes. This has been Bob's Basement. Thanks for listening. Thanks. That's the way it is. For more information, email Bob at bobwillette at gmail.com. That's Bob Willette. Like Gillette with a W. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Willette. Bob's Basement is available where you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Well, that's the way it is.